Welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud, a weekly podcast with IT leaders who are driving the future of a software-defined infrastructure-based data center. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening to this podcast. My name is Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies with Intel, and I'm joined today for this Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud by co-founder and CTO of Yadabyte, Greg Campbell. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. So, Greg, Tell our listeners a little bit about your history with the company, and you're a founder, so I love speaking with founders who have started from the beginning. Having been there and failed a couple of times myself, I know how difficult it is. So talk to our audience about founding a company, and what gave you the vision for Yadabyte? Uh, sure, yeah. This is actually my second or third company now. I had a previous software company, and uh, after that, started building another large application that was in the cloud kind of before there was a cloud. It was actually a web crawler and some ad servers, all sorts of other things like that. But what I had found was that I had spent a good 80% of my time developing things that had nothing to do with crawlers and ad servers. And it was all about the infrastructure and, and trying to pull together all these different resources and really build this cloud thing and kind of realized off of that, that there was this missing piece. And that really was what kind of started off the vision for Yadabyte. And so this was a good seven-ish years ago. It's been a ride. (laughs) I love the challenge. For me, I like trying to solve very, very difficult problems. And Yadabyte absolutely is solving some very difficult problems. We're just getting to that exciting point now where the product is very mature and we're ready to get it out there to the market and blasted. Well, let's let's talk about it because I know it's it's been years and I like to say you're an overnight success story, seven years in the making, right? <laughs> right. I want to have you talk a little about the theory behind nested multi-tenancy models. It's actually an important topic that not all of our listeners are aware of. What we're providing from a software package is from the bare metal up. So our software installs bare metal and we're providing in the end virtual data centers. So your virtual data centers is consist of your computing, your storage, your network, nothing else you need to buy. So we are the vSAN, we're the hypervisor, we're your entire virtual networking stack. And rather than trying to piecemeal a bunch of different things together, we basically let you spin up an entire virtual data center much the same way that you would spin up a VM today. A traditional infrastructure platform is really just one system. And even if, say, you have multi-tenancy, it's one database, it's one user management system, it's one... API, even if you're in a scale-out architecture with scalable storage and scalable compute, you're eventually going to hit some scalability limits, even just in your management platform or permissioning systems and APIs, uh, things like that. And, And then there's also some portability things as well, that if I want to move an entire set of resources, I got to move the VMs, move the storage, move the network. So what we did is we built out an encapsulation of all of these things. So we started with our own operating system. And as we fire up these virtual data centers, each data center is running a complete instance of our operating system. And within that virtual bubble, all of your storage, your own dedicated API, your own dedicated user management system and and web portal and networking rules and firewalls and all your virtual machines, your permissioning, everything that would go with a software infrastructure is wrapped up in its own magic bubble on top of this physical infrastructure. So you've got this extra layer of scalability now that I'm not limited just to one API or even from a security standpoint, if somebody were to eventually break into an API, break into a system, or just hammer it from a DOS attack standpoint, 
it's only going to be that one virtual bubble and not you know the rest of the environment. So you're not only doing a multi-tenancy infrastructure, but now you have this protected data center that allows you to encapsulate, or we use the term inside of Intel Enclave, but it, it means exactly the same thing. A hundred percent. This is a secure enclave that's completely abstracted from a network isolation, from a storage isolation, from a noisy neighbor performance scenario. And then we took that to the next level and we said, okay, well, I can instantiate one of these virtual bubbles off of one collection of resources. Why couldn't I do it again? You know, once we built the software to, to do this once, it can do it end levels. Then a virtual data center can also have more virtual data centers. And they're as simple as if I give you a thousand cores and 50 terabytes of storage and so many public IP addresses and whatever, you know, I could spin up this tenant and say, here's your raw resources. I don't care how many VMs you run and what you do with your storage and how you carve out your networks. I just care that you have this many resources and you don't go beyond it. And then that tenant could also spin up another tenant. So we really start to fit in these service provider models where that root infrastructure is managing just the physicality of the environment. And their customer could be a managed service provider that has their own customers running as tenants. And those customers could have divisions within their company where maybe I've got test and dev running in a secure enclave and I've got my production running. So now I'm running my production and my test and everything all in the same physical infrastructure, properly secured and isolated and, and everything else. So it really starts to open up the flexibility of what you can do with this stuff, especially on top of our storage platform, um, or what we're doing with deduplication and snapshots, where I can now take this entire virtual data center, snap it in 30 milliseconds, whether it's a petabyte of storage or not, fire it up next to it in a completely isolated scenario, try out version patches and roll it back to what it was yesterday before that virus hit or, or you name it. And I can do it all very easily, even with, you know, same MAC addresses or same IP addresses or one disconnected from the network, one not. And it really opens up a lot of possibilities that you can do, as well as be able to pick up that whole virtual data center and synchronize it to a completely different location on completely different hardware, but run it the same way as it was originally. That is fantastic. How do you do this without proprietary SAN or network-attached storage? What are some of the capabilities that you've built into it? And then also, how did you use Intel technologies to take advantage of designing your architecture? You know, we started off with storage, you know, and storage was, in our mind, the hardest problem to solve. So most of our research and development was on the storage side of the fence. So we started off building out our own scale-out virtual SAN, globally deduplicated. We spent a lot of time just handling hardware failures, all the multiple ways that hardware can fail and assuming it's always going to fail. And a lot of the stuff that we were doing, we wanted that technology, but some of the performance that we were getting was, you know, we're doing a lot of that stuff in CPU. I absolutely never wanted to get us into a custom hardware scenario because we always wanted to run on commodity gear. And actually through starting to work with Intel, you know, Intel was putting more and more of these algorithms directly on chip. And luckily for us, the timing was right that we were able to start taking advantage of some of the stuff as it was coming out. That's awesome. You're the type of visionary and founder that we hope to find when we design some of the products that you take advantage of. Clearly, you understand when we say we want to build a latency-free architecture. So can you talk a little bit about the work you did at University of Michigan Advanced Research Computing Service? It'd be great for you to talk a little bit about the pilot and the success of the pilot. Really, the challenge that they had is that they essentially needed to become a service provider to their research community. So they threw the challenge at us that 
they've got roughly 3,000 of these researchers that you know, they might get some grant money to work on something and they need compute resources. They need them now because this is like a six-month grant or a, whatever it is. They need to be secure. They need to be isolated. It takes time to provision hardware and get it securely set up and everything. You know, central IT just can't move fast enough to get everything built out, get it certified, get it HIPAA compliant and all this to meet the demand. So we were able to go in there and Intel was able to work with us to get a proof of concept to prove this thing out to them. And we got some gear out there and we basically allowed them to start to create these virtual enclaves completely isolated from each other, from security and everything else, but on a shared infrastructure. So now the shared infrastructure could go through compliancy testing certification and everything and can ebb and flow as these projects come in and out and they go from you know six to nine months of lead times to within minutes they're provisioning these secure environments so we started off we did the proof of concept it was a huge success it's maxed out almost immediately with people wanting to run production in the test environment you name it so we then moved into the production environment when we built out two environments blue and maze the blue environment is for non-regulated data sets and the maze environment was going to be for all the regulated data sets with little tighter security controls and, you know, full encryption, you name it. And uh, it's been a, a huge success. It was right around the time NVMe was coming out. So luckily, we were able to work with Intel to take advantage of some of that hardware just in time for that deployment. So we were able to make sure our software was taking advantage of that to the max. And as a result, we had a very, very high performance environment for them now uh, in their research community. And it's just cool to see them running, you know, brain scanners and you know, genomic research and, you know, automotive research and all sorts of cool stuff running on the platform there. And they'll just keep growing it from here. But yeah, it's been great. Can you let us know how do we best find out about Yadabyte? Where do we find the best information? www.yadabyte.com. By all means, you can always hit me up directly as well. Contact us, and we'd absolutely love to talk to people about the problems they're facing and how we can help. Well, Greg, on behalf of Intel and our producers, Sean and Bruce, I'd like to thank you very much for attending a Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud. Greg Campbell, co founder and CTO of Yadabyte, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for setting us up.